Howdy friends, I'm Kaylee Wilpink, a small town country girl from Arizona who's landed in the big city of Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cowgirl in LA. Come along as I share the lessons that I've learned along the way and as I continue to figure out who the fuck I am and where the fuck I fit in. It's a messy wild ride, so strap in. How's your new place? It's so good. And like, I've just been like so exhausted all week because moving is the worst. It just takes everything out of you. It's it like, really does. It's not like it's like a bad thing, but it's just like no. requires like so much like energy and attention. And yes, I feel like even figuring out for me moving, it's very overwhelming of like, do I put my dishes in this cupboard? Because what if yeah. they should go in this other cupboard? Yeah. Like your life depends on how you unpack your house. Well, and also this is my first time without roommates ever. True. And so, so it feels so healing to be in oh this space okay. like that I get to control the environment I know that sounds so silly but like no I've it's... literally never been in a space that like I can control the environment and here I am amazing I'm so, so happy it feels for great. you how are you I'm good I just went for a bike ride explored a new oh. little neighborhood and there's Ooh. all of these peonies or peonies however yes. You say that flower blooming. I don't know if that's like the hot, oh, hot that. plant of like Indiana that everyone's planting. Also, something new for me is that it's the Indianapolis 500 this Sunday. Oh, and it might as well be as if we've had some sort of victory across the state. People are flying checkered race flags and NASCAR flags in their yards, on their poles, on their cars. Small businesses are running discounts. Like it's like this huge thing of like, it's race week. There's all this media everywhere. And like, we had all this old firewood on the side of our house. And I posted it on Facebook Marketplace for free. Like 20 people messaged me. They're like, well, I need that firewood because we're going out to the race this weekend. Like it's this massive deal. And we're like, oh my gosh. So that's just an exciting thing in my life. And I'm not even going to the race, but like, it's just this huge thing for the whole state. Even if you're not going, you're playing yeah. like bag up. Isn't that wild? That's so wild. I was just thinking about racing a few weeks ago, which is ironic. Yeah. And I used to grow up going to like some races and it was just like silly little town races, but it was so fun. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a child, there was like a drawing, like as your ticket, you would like put it in a drawer, whatever. And the winner got to like take a ride in the race car around the track. And I won. No, I was like eight years old and it was a core memory because like, I still remember, I don't remember a lot from my childhood, but I remember getting picked to go ride a lap or two around the racetrack in the race car when I was like eight years old. And it was the most fun thing. And everyone was watching and cheering. Oh, it was so cool. Thinking of like a young Kaylee. Yeah. Paired on in a yeah. victory lap in her race car. Yeah. It was really precious. I know. It was really cute. Oh and gosh. I'd forgotten about that until recently. And I was like, I kind of want to go to a race. Like just for fun. Go to a race. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How fun. Also, oh I'm getting over a cold. So my voice sounds weird to me. It might not sound weird to no, you. No, sounds great. But. 
Stay safe out there, you guys. Cold um, season. Yeah. What's your beverage today? I've had, this is my third Coke Zero. Yes. We love and then I have half of a water bottle in this one. Oh, your water bottle is cute. Thank you. Real sporty. For, and then for I the also, listeners, it's got smiley faces. Smiley faces. It's what I use when I go on my bike rides. And then I also have, I know this is gross. Some people are really against this. I have like day old water in this mug. I don't like empty it out and get fresh water. It's fine. I just Sometimes, keep like filling up water. There's probably like month old water at the bottom of this thing. And I'm just going to let it sit there. Sometimes the ice cold water from the fridge is intense. I have my own water sitting on my bedside. What are your beverages tonight? So this was spur of the moment, but I have a big bottle of San Pellegrino in my fridge. And I'm not typically a sparkling water gal, but I have been buying sugar-free syrup for like my coffee in the morning. And so I was like in a rush. I was like, I need a beverage. I poured in the San Pellegrino, put in some of that little stuff. And I make myself a little Italian soda. That's literally what Italian sodas are. True. Also, I had a huge realization when, so for the listeners, because I think we're just starting, right? Yeah. Let's just dive on in. Yeah. I served a mission for the Mormon church in Italy. And when I showed up, there was this like mint syrup that people were putting in milk. And I was like, what is this? What is this thing? And then they were like, well, sometimes we put it in sparkling water too. And I was like, oh, is this the origin of Italian sodas? Basically, there's, they really only have like two or three flavors, but the most predominant one is mint. I think Americans have Americanized, just like they do almost everything, the Italian soda, and they make it like super crazy and extreme. But basically, Italian sodas are literally just like sparkling water, this mint syrup and probably a little bit of milk. Here's another thing for the listeners. Everybody on TikTok is freaking out about Utah culture and like putting cream in your soda. Right. And I'm like, it's literally an Italian soda, people. Are you going to criticize Italians for this? Huh? Wait, are they criticizing it or are they getting excited about it? No, they're criticizing. Well, they're like, this is so weird. Until they try it, then they're all they try it, then they're like, fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. No, Dayton and I always want to, Dayton's my husband, by the way, for those who don't know, he's also in North Carolina this week. So that's why I've been going on like extra bike rides because I'm just by myself, which is fine. We always say that out in Indiana, we want to bring like a Cafe Rio or like a Swig or some sort of like Utah or like I know Cafe Rio started in California, but like a Costa Vida or something. Mm Because out here, everyone's like, we love Chipotle. Like Chipotle is the best. And I'm like, Chipotle is school cafeteria food for me. Honestly, I'll eat it if I have to. really funny that you brought up Cafe Rio because literally this weekend I was kind of in a depressed mood and I was like, I just need to do things that make me happy. So I decided to go to the beach and get Cafe Rio. That sounds amazing. And... It was comforting. I was like, I haven't had Cafe Rio because it's not like it's like in my neighborhood. I had to drive an hour to get to it. It's okay. Kind of, yeah. So that was a big deal. It's like, I'm, I'm thinking you just like went around the block. That's no, like, no, no. That was drove a journey. Over. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So we love Cafe Rio. And I took my friend who had never been and I was, trying oh, to drive that's fun. I was like, I was like, it's kind of like Chipotle, but like a better quality ingredient. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's, 
except yeah. for Mexican food. It's just better ingredients. That's it's a great better, way to explain it. Better Tex-Mex, whatever you want to call it. Like I know it's obviously not like authentic Mexican food, but like, gosh, it's so good. It's so good. I could it's chug. So I could chug a limeade from there right now. Oof. Because I hate drinking. People are like, we have lemonade and it's like freaking Minimade. For like yeah. country time. Yeah. I'm like all due respect. That's not it. Grind up some limes for me. Yeah. And mint. And the mint. Oh. They put they put mint and real limes in their limeade. Crazy. That's so good. That's awesome. so crazy. Should we give our listeners a little bit of an origin story? Oh, we have to. I know. I was like thinking about that. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to share how we met. Wait, and- also welcome to another episode of Cowgirl in LA. We totally just missed that. No, we just dove yeah. right in. Ella and I met when I was living in Utah. I was going to school in Salt Lake City and Ella grew up in Utah and we met at a concert, a Rip Momney concert. A Rip Momney concert. Did you Back- hear about the Kilby Court block party that just happened with like I did. I know I, that Utah's getting like some hot artists coming. Like yeah. the music scene is like bubbling, boiling even. Literally, Utah. I've been listening to the Kilby Court playlist all week and I was like, I might need to go back to Salt Lake next summer just for the block party. Oh, that would like, actually be a really fun reason to go back. That would be such Kilby a Court weekend. was one of my favorite memories and things to do in Salt Lake. And just Utah in general it has just such a good little like indie startup music scene. And also for people who don't know what it is, Kilby Court is literally a garage that's what, like 500 square feet. It's like yeah, so teensy. And you would just pack as many people as you could in there and crazy artists like Macklemore. Like, wow, that's the first artist I say that shows you like how, like, play how my music crazy, music. how like crazy that, <laughs> but like who else has been there? I mean, like Phoebe Bridgers was just there, yeah. but like really big artists, like what Kanye, can I say Kanye was there? Has, I, really? I didn't know that. I'm Googling it really quick. Fact check. Death Cab for Cutie dashboard confessional. Yeah. It's only showing me like who's played in like 2022. Doja Cat. But like it's a lot what? of artists who have performed. Mac DeMarco. Like people who have performed there have gone on to be like exceptionally huge artists like Diplo, Sylvan Esso. But it was like just one of the first little like underground places. Foster the people. Anyways, yeah. look it up. And you guys can see for yourselves. But it's it's so cute and fun. And mm-hmm. we and met at a concert there. And then we didn't talk. We were like, oh my gosh, like we had so much fun. We met through yeah. this mutual friend and we're like, boy, that was cool. And I think we got one another's numbers. Yeah. And then I invited you to go on a random camping trip <laughs> with a group of people who I was like pretty unfamiliar with. Yeah. I, like you I really just hit me up the day before. You were like, I'm going camping tomorrow, Goblin Valley, which is like a four hour drive away. She's like, yeah. with this group of people they don't really know, if you want to come, you can come. And I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I was like, she'd be a good partner in crime. Like, we got along pretty well. And then we end up having these like really deep discussions with yeah. people we had never met for like four hours on the drive down. And then after that, it still was like kind of slow. I think like maybe you invited me to come do something. I invited yeah. you like paddle boarding that one day. Oh, yeah. Again, with a group of people who I didn't know. Yeah. I think you're just this person who I was like, she can just like hang out with anyone and she's yeah. so fun. And like, oh, just 
our friendship started to blossom from there. Yeah. We would see each other very sporadically. We yeah. never lived in the same city. Never. We've still never lived in the same We've state. We've still never lived in the never same Never lived state. in the same state, but we happened to find each other always. Like literally when we were living in Utah, at least once or twice a month, we would make a trek one way or yeah. the other. And like, it would be spontaneous. I'd be like, hey, yeah. you want to drive an hour to like come to this like art show? Or you'd be like, yeah. oh, hey, do you want to come up and do this thing? And then I was dating this guy and we broke up and you were like the first person I called hmm. and you drove down from Salt Lake, like 45 minutes, like hour drive and like comforted me. And then I was like, you know what? Like my friend Bryn, so shout out to Bryn. She was having like her golden birthday in Los Angeles. And I was like, once again, do you want to yeah. come <laughs> on this trip with random people that I don't know super well? And you once again said yes. yes. And so we went. <laughs> on this like four or five day trip to LA. Yeah. I bought a plane ticket. It was just like, okay, like is this night. the flight that you're on? Like, okay, I guess I'll join that flight. And we pack, we pack nothing but a backpack too, to <laughs> yeah. LA, mind you all. And, <laughs> and during, okay, there is so much that happened during this trip. Firstly, it was monumental because it was when I decided that I wanted to move to LA. But secondly, it was the first time I ever went to the Korean spa, which is like, so heavenly and magical and it was just I go all the time like literally I live about five minutes away did you know I'm so jealous and like I literally kind of did that on purpose because I was like I need to be close to the Korean spa I'm real estate yeah anyways so it was just all of us girlies just topless running around the Korean spa and like just going buck wild this weekend in LA we did so much stuff and we had so like a fun. dance party. We go to a roller rink after Kaylee, because you had to go back for work or something. Yeah. Like, we went to Disneyland for a day. Like it was this like yeah. huge affair. Actually, the reason why I went back early is because I didn't want to go to Disneyland. I know everyone's going to hate on this, but I'm not a Disneyland person. I don't, I don't hate you for that. It's a lot of money if you're not excited about it. It's a lot of um, like sounds and I, I get overstimulated at Disneyland and like I, I can do a day at Disneyland like every couple of years but it takes a certain type of like mental and physical stamina when people are like we just did four days in the park I'm like I Good can barely do four days at my job sitting yeah. behind a desk yeah. all day so yeah. shout out to you yeah but that um, trip was monumental for yes. both of us because we were sitting at the beach and it was great it was February we were in the mm-hmm middle of our seasonal depression at this point you know and this is 2020 so the pandemic's about to strike like we literally were like hearing little rumors like there's this virus and we were like okay sounds weird anyways so you're like I want (laughs) to move to LA like I really want to move there and I was like I really feel like after I broke up from this from this relationship I like had all this clarity and I had always said that I was going to go to grad school in fall of 2020 and I'm like I think I need to leave Utah I don't know where I'm going to go. And so I was like, maybe it's California. Like maybe it's Arizona. And that just propelled us. We were like, all right, we're going to like hold each other accountable, Mm -hmm. like check in. You would literally, I would like check in and be like, guess what? I like filled out an application. Like we were like, and I'd be like, guess what? I'm, I'm looking at apartments in LA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was just a monumental moment because it was like on the beach. Mm -hmm. We literally were sitting, standing in the, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were standing at the ocean, like having the waves come and hit us. And we were both just like, we're going to change our lives right here, right now. And we had those conversations sometimes. And then, oh, that was a fun conversation. But we were like, 
wait, no, we're, really. both, no we're, we're doing it. And we did it. And bo- that decision propelled both of us into completely different, like dimensions of our lives. Oh my gosh. In like different ways. But like, I'm so happy that you are part of that experience because as all of these changes have happened in my life over the last two years, which has been so chaotic, we just keep checking in with each other. Like, how are you doing? Like we manifested this, we manifested this life, didn't we? And each of us respectively did it. And it started from like the same exact magical moment. Like, I love that. That's such a good point too. Like both of us are entirely different people now. And that's what I was going to say when I was thinking about recording with you tonight. I was like, I definitely wouldn't have my podcast if it wasn't for Kaylee, because my podcast was in part an outcome from like doing my master's degree and like becoming more confident in what I'm passionate about and like what Mm -hmm. I want to share with people. But also what was funny is that I reached out to you and I was like, anytime I have like an idea, I always reach out to you because you're so good at either like validating or asking questions or just like getting excited which I mean, like, that's what a good friend should do, but you're so wise. And so I remember being like, I'm going to start a podcast. And you're like, wait, I've been having thoughts about starting a podcast. And we're like, here we go again. Like we're both getting this inspiration. Yeah. So I think that's also just been so fun. Like even like the microphone I'm using, you're like, Hey, I tried out this kind of microphone. You should use it. Like I've been like asking all these questions, which is like a favorite part of my friendship is that we've always been really supportive and it's not yeah. like, Oh, like they're doing it at the same time or like, yeah, what is this person doing? Like we can be like, oh my gosh, I got a raise or like, oh my gosh, yeah. I got a new job. And like the other person is just going to be like, so hyped and yeah. not like, oh, I wish I had that. Or like, you know, yeah. just like that person that's always like taking away your shine. It's like, oh my yeah. gosh, how freaking cool are you? Yeah. We've just been on a ball and yeah. we've never even lived in the same city, but you're one of my best friends in the whole world. And like every time I come to California, I think you met Dayton before like a lot of my other friends did because he was living in California and and -hmm. I came to see him and you met him and and you were at our wedding. And also I came to visit you right when, so I went with Kaylee, I went with you to your family's ranch for five days. Oh, I remember that. that. Yeah. So I also feel like I've I don't invite a lot of people to the ranch. It's a really vulnerable place for me. I, I think that so it's in the middle of nowhere and it's like well I drove from Phoenix how many hours is it four hours so you're like do you want to come to my family's ranch and I was like I don't know I'm like unemployed just like starting (laughs) grad school have like nothing to do and I was like you know what that sounds really nice and I do remember that Holy by Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh yeah. So if you can imagine just like Kayla and I driving down this like dirt road, like blasting like <laughs> holy by Justin Bieber. We're like, oh my gosh, what a song. Oh. And we just hung out by the river. We found rocks and oh my gosh. Dreams. Yeah, we went hunting for stones <laughs> and looked at the stars. Yeah. It was amazing. But I feel like now hearing you start the podcast Cowgirl in LA, I'm like, yeah. I've seen the cowgirl aspect. Yeah. Of yeah. Your life. And like, I think that I don't show that to people and I don't really Mm -hmm. tell people about that because it's just so different than who I feel that I am, (laughs) if that makes sense. I don't feel like a cowgirl, but the reality is that I am. (laughs) Like, I literally grew up on a ranch with cows and horses and literally cowgirl style. And it just doesn't feel like who I am, but it is. 
it's just, it's ironic. It's been confusing for me my whole life, basically. Well, I think what's so cool is like, they and I were actually talking about it the other day, of like sometimes when you meet a certain person and you hear how they're raised, you make immediate assumptions about them. Yeah. But for me, when I hear that someone was like raised on a ranch, I'm like, that means that they're like a freaking like resilient, hardworking individual, you know, which like you are, you know, because it's not like you, Yeah. I don't know. You grew up like having to like work and you grew up as an only girl with like brothers and like Mm -hmm. being out on like a four wheeler. I don't know that like gave you a foundation that other people don't have. So that's interesting just because that's the way I view the cowgirl part of you is like person. I guess I view, I guess I'm a little bit ashamed because of how naive I grew up. Mm. I didn't want people to think that I didn't know things. Or maybe that you were like unrelatable or you wouldn't yes, like be exactly. open-minded to them. Yeah. And maybe this is my own internal projection because maybe I was like really good at showing like I was a cool kid, but like I would go to Kilby Court where all of these hipster kids are. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so far removed from like anything that I've ever experienced and anything that I ever know, but I love it. And I want to know everything and I want to be part of these people and I want to know what makes them tick and I want to be included. And so to me, I was like, okay, the quickest way I can be relatable is to like not be myself, which I'm like trying to reclaim that part of me because authenticity is literally just the easiest way to live your life outside of like everything. Like at this point, life is just so stinking hard that I'm just like, what is the easiest way to show up every day? It's just being authentic to myself. And this is a part of myself that I feel like I've been hiding forever, not hiding, but just like not really shedding a light on, I guess. And now that I'm like more into my life, like approaching my thirties, what? Almost 30. I'm like, oh, I feel like I have all of these chapters of myself. Like I have my ranch girl. I have my Italian girl. I have my Utah girl. And even within those, those things, I have like subsets of who I am just because I'm so passionate and excited about so many different things. And I like love all of them that now as I'm approaching my thirties, I'm like, who am I? And I'm like, I am all of these people, but that doesn't make sense that I am all of these people, if that makes sense. Which I think is, is like, what's so appealing about your podcast though, is because I think as more conversations have happened around like understanding your past and like, you know, Mm -hmm. people talk about like understanding how you were raised as a child influences you now, like those weren't questions or perspectives that people were trying to look at, like even like five years ago, people were just like, oh, you are the way you are. But I think like everyone has all these different facets of themselves and to hear that you can't take away any of that, right? Or like the more you grow into one identity, Mm -hmm. like you still have those other identities. And I Mm -hmm. think it's like combining all of those identities that is very complicated. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's roundabout way of saying this is kind of why I started the podcast is because I feel like there is this disconnect between people in rural communities and people in cities for a myriad of different reasons. And I can obviously only speak to my own experiences and invite other people to share their stories as well. But it's just hard for communication to happen in rural communities. And they have very limited access to internet and very limited access to resources 
And they feel isolated sometimes from the bigger set of the world, the cities. And I think people in cities sometimes have misinterpretations of people in rural communities. And there's so much heat that can happen on social media when topics that are heated or important to people can come up. And I just, I've been in so many different shoes. Like I've literally been in so many different shoes that I can understand the thought processes of why people think the way they think. And I think that we're missing the point on so many different topics on social media and when big things happen. We have so much more in common as humans than we like to give ourselves credit for. And we judge other people and misinterpret people's words. And really at the core of it, I think we all have very similar beliefs. Maybe it's just a lack of communicating and sharing stories because the way that I've learned the most is through hearing other people's stories. And so I'm excited to be able to facilitate maybe the in-between of these different worlds because I think that there's so much more in common than people think that there is, you know. 100%. I feel like storytelling is one of the best ways to educate people because it's entertaining, right? And I think that's why podcasts are so incredible is because we're giving a voice to all of these people and we're making topics easier to digest. Like maybe we're not giving these full conclusions that you would get from a textbook and like going through tons of layers of information, but that's not in this generation and day and age. That's not how people want to learn. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think has been so enjoyable about doing a podcast. And it's interesting that you mentioned values because that's been a huge theme. I think that, I mean, comes up in a lot of storytelling, right? As you obviously learn what that person values, or they talk about some sort of threat to their values and how they had to overcome that. So it's like this emerging theme in a lot of research that I did in grad school. And I'm also in like a mentorship program outside of work right now, doing a lot of my own personal value development. Can we just take two seconds for you to introduce what you do for work and grad school for? We've kind of jumped all around. Yeah. So I went to grad school. I got a master's of science in organizational leadership from Arizona State University. It was mostly online, a little bit in person, but that's ultimately where I moved to go to grad school. And I chose that because for several years, I worked in leadership positions. And also I did a communication studies as my undergrad, which you were also calm undergrad. Yeah. So there you go. Look at us calm majors doing podcasts. <laughs> just, just doing yeah. podcasts as we, as, as, as we were we trained should. to do. Yeah, <laughs> as we were taught to be just. And my goal with organizational leadership was to help build up organizational abilities in other people. My favorite class that I took in my undergrad was public speaking. And I was just fascinated by the idea and so like motivated and inspired by the idea that if you can teach someone how to competently articulate their thoughts or feelings or ideas, they could do anything. And there's so many brilliant people who just don't know how to express their needs or disagree or tell a story, like even the art of storytelling I currently now work, my title is manager of leadership and talent programs. Sounds really fancy at a large company, a large tech company. And we support a department of about 4,000 people and do all of the development programs if you want to be in a leadership role. 
So to get into roles, if you want to elevate in your current role, and it's everything from workshops to creating online courses, different resources, or like right now, the department is about to issue a huge safety and technology initiative with like a new piece of technology and hardware that the employees are going to be using. And so I've been in all these calls consulting on like, okay, how do we teach leaders to coach to this hardware and what happens if they don't use it? So I get the chance to help and consult and then also lead a team of like really freaking smart people to help elevate leaders. And so when I graduated, I was like, man, what's like a meaningful way that I can keep the momentum going with this passion that I have outside of work? And I had the thought to do a podcast because my capstone, my final research I did was on conversation starters. And I created a card deck that is actually being printed this next week. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so so excited. These cards that she made. Imagine like a fancy card deck that you can put on your coffee table and it is all of these cards with questions. Correct me if I'm saying this not correctly, but it's literally cards with like conversation starters. And I'm so excited to have one and like put it on my coffee table because it's like a beautifully designed deck of cards. And what a fun way to just have people over and start conversations. I'm so excited. So your podcast is called Start the Conversation. Yes. And I've tried so hard to think of like other names just because that's such like a, to me, like a vanilla name. But I think something I identified in like grad school and even just in the workplace is so much leadership content is talking about conclusions Mm -hmm. and giving directives and managing performance and like these very fine lines and similar to I think some of the intent behind your podcast the sentiment of just needing to know how to start the conversation implies that in order to be an effective leader or friend or spouse or community member you don't have to have all the answers to those questions and you don't need to know the end of the conversation before you start it but by starting the conversation with really effective questions you can create a place of safety and curiosity and understanding with anybody. What those conclusions are obviously depends so much on the context and the urgency and things like that. But I think the focus on the urgency and like, let's just get to a solution and keep moving and like keep operating. I think that's what really takes away from having very meaningful conversations. Yeah. So my podcast, like I've had an episode so far about like how to have compassionate confrontation. I just had my sibling on yesterday who came out as non-binary to talk about like how to have conversations with someone who's non-binary or in the LGBTQ plus community and how to tactfully ask questions and understanding. And then like I'm recording an episode this week and we'll touch on this a little bit today, but of someone who's left their faith community And then they were out of the church, so the LDS church for a while, and their husband was still a member of the church. Mm -hmm. And what did that look like? And then they're also raising a child. So now like, what does that look like? And how has that changed things? But then like, I'll also do other episodes around like feedback or like setting boundaries. And so anyways, that was kind of a long rant about my podcast, but I think I tried to keep it very professional and feedback Mm -hmm. and negotiation at first, but I think I realized that like life is so beautiful when you're encompassing all of the aspects of your life, not just your professional development. Yeah. That's why I'm so excited to touch on some of these, I will say more sensitive topics, Mm -hmm. right? Like 
I had a framework for confrontation. There's four steps. You try these four steps, but some of the things related to religion or values or like identity are so sensitive and Mm -hmm. ebb and flow so much, but it all goes back to that theme of you don't have to have all the answers to start the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm excited to continue to listen to your podcast. I've been loving it. I listened to the episode with Foster and it was just incredible and so cool to see you like on the episode are having real-time conversations that you haven't had before. And so that was really cool to just hear you practice that. And I think that there should be more of that available. So I'm excited to keep listening to your podcast. And I a lot of people who listen to my podcast will also enjoy, which leads us to kind of the topic that we wanted to get into today. Yeah. Oh, as any of you know, I decided to take a step back away from the Mormon church about a year and a half, two years ago. I honestly don't even remember. And talking about it is one of the hardest things that I've tried to figure out what to do because people know me as a certain person and they knew me as a certain person and it's a big deal to kind of step back from the church there's a lot of it's not the same as coming out as like gay but I think people treat it the same way where it's like I need to come out as non-mormon you know and I remember just stressing so much about how to approach that conversation, whether I wanted to have the conversation individually with people. At one point I was like, I don't even care if people know or not. I just won't even tell people. But like at the same time, I was like, this is a really big part of my life. And I feel like people should know so that there's like expectations set and like, how do I communicate boundaries now? Like, how do I especially because I still love all of my friends and my family who are still part of the religion. And it's nothing personal that we've chosen different belief paths, but like the way the culture in the churches, a lot of times it's, it's, I don't want to say it's villainized to leave, but it kind of is at least in the past. I think things have gotten a lot better But from the stories that I heard growing up as a child, I was expecting a certain kind of backlash, which to be honest, I really haven't received a whole lot of backlash to my face. Like, I think that there are people that talk about me behind my back, which I don't really care, whatever. It was really stressful at the beginning trying to figure out how to have that conversation with people. And even now, sometimes I'm like, this is going to be an ongoing thing in my life because like most of the really key and influential people in my life that I want to keep up with are still members of this community. And I not only have left, but I also have a podcast talking about some of the problematic areas. And like, just because I have these views and these feelings doesn't mean that we can't still, you know, I don't know, it, it it feels taboo. And it's, and I still don't even know like how to go about these conversations And my DMs are just full of people who are in a similar position who don't know how to have these conversations with people who are really important in their lives, specifically family members and friends. And then it even like goes on, like, how do I talk to my kids about this? And that's something that I even think about as well. Like, how am I going to tell my kids about like, they're going to 
grandma and grandpa's house and they do things that we don't do at our house, you know, and maybe it's not a big deal for other people, but for the way that I think we grew up in the church, it is just such a big cultural thing. I don't know. Does that make sense? There's lots of layers there. I feel like we should could dissect. Yeah, it does make sense. And I also just want to like compliment you though, because I think something that once again, like I've appreciated about our friendship is that even though we have different life paths, you've always just been very like open and respectful of supporting mine. And I can do that with you. And I think because you come from such a place of like respect, that's what I think I love like listening to your podcast, because even though you are discussing problematic areas that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I thought about it like that. Or like when I was listening to your episode about like reproductive rights, I was like, oh my gosh, like just so helpful to hear a conversation that I'm surrounded by people or following people on social media who are having the exact opposite conversation. Yeah. But you did it from such a place of like care and respect. So I think a few things, I think one theme that comes from, I think our church specifically is that like families are forever. And so if anyone does and not theme, that's a doctrine, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fact is that families are going (laughs) to be together forever. And another piece of doctrine is that like, if people don't make certain choices, they won't be with their families forever. And we're taught that like, that's the whole goal of our lives is to be together forever. So I think why, when we were growing up and we'd be like, oh, that cousin or that neighbor or that family or that individual is like, stop showing up to church or has decided to not participate in certain practices or rituals or like aspects of the belief system we were like, we aren't going to be with them forever. And I think, and it's like, oh, pity them. I'm so sad for them. Well, I think that there's a grief cycle of like shock and disbelief. That's true. and And also wanting to bargain of like, well, maybe if I text them enough that they'll come back to church, or maybe if I pray enough and I'm righteous enough, then I can bargain their membership back into the church because they'll see how good it is. So I honestly think when people see someone leave the church, they are having to grieve the loss of this vision that they were taught That's... is the most important thing. And because they love you, they're grieving that loss. That's and... really key. I didn't ever think about, well, as from my side of the the situation, I didn't plan on doing this. Like, of course, yeah. I, I am such a curious person and I asked so many questions because that's kind of how we were taught like ask questions you know do your studying do these things and after four years of just trying to answer questions that I couldn't find answers to it was the hardest and most gruesome and mentally and spiritually exhausting thing that I had ever gone through that to get to a point where I felt like it was best for my mental health to step away from not only the community that I've grown up in my whole life, but also this belief system for what I literally believe my life purpose is, to be able to get the courage to step away from that, that in and of itself is just all I could think about. Like literally, I could think of nothing more than to figure out how to be in a good place mentally. Because 
it literally got to this point where going to church was so detrimental to my mental health that I was like, in order to be healthy and stay sane, I need to do this for myself. And I don't even care what people think. I don't even care what people say. But I didn't think, I really wasn't thinking about what that looked like for other people because I was just so entrenched in my own grief, in my own mental health that I didn't even have time to think about it. And all I saw and sometimes still see is the judgment. And I'm just like, why are you judging me for choosing this thing that obvious, like I'm so much healthier. And if you knew me during this whole faith crisis is what they call it. And after like, I'm clearly a much happier human being and much healthier with my mental health. And when I see or hear someone show pity because of that choice that I make, I feel so upset and like, you should be so proud of me. Like I literally have just gone through hell and back and decided that my mental health is worth, like I am worth staying around for this, you know, and you're just judging me for like choosing the thing that's literally required for me to be sane and happy and it just feels it feels really invalidating of the experience but I didn't think about how they're grieving on their own it's a whole grief process for them as well and because so much of the faith crisis that we talk about is done internally it's not something that's talked about and maybe that's where we start things like maybe the conversation doesn't have to start when you leave Maybe this conversation can start when you start having questions. And if that was more, not accepted, but just like more common for people to have conversations during the faith crisis stage, maybe it wouldn't be as big of a deal or as big of a grieving process for both sides if that comes to the conclusion that that individual wants to make. Yeah, I totally agree that it would be beneficial to have it start sooner I think going back to this perspective, though, like I think as a parent, I could imagine that you would almost take something personally if your kid was questioning something you were teaching them. Like you read now about how a lot of parents like there's a book that I will shout out. And I was like looking up a quote that I wanted to share from this author. This author is Brad Reedy, and I'm actually friends with his son. He was a really good friend I made at UVU. And he wrote a book called The Audacity to Be You. I think maybe I've mentioned it to you. Anyways, everyone go and read the book. It's so awesome. But he talks about how a lot of the time as kids, we can sometimes feel responsible for our parents' well-being. Because let's say as a kid, you cry and your mom says, no, don't cry. Like you're making mommy sad. Like don't cry. Stop crying. Like the message you get is like, oh, like, I need to behave a certain way and not cry in order to make my mom happy. And I'll share this quote that I had thought about in relation to, I think kids feel this responsibility to live their lives in a certain way in order to please their parents. And then I think this also is in part why they feel so much judgment or disappointment from their parents is because they literally feel like they're hurting their parents, right? Mm -hmm. And that they're feeling this like hurt from them. But this quote I thought was interesting because I was reviewing some of the things I learned from his book in preparation for this conversation because I just really like how he phrases things. But he said, 
Because children are required to navigate their parents' defenses to survive childhood, they develop in such a way that they end up relating to people who are the same shape, size, and color of their parents. In other words, we become shaped by a certain kind of compromised person. And as we grow up, we are inclined to relate to those same kinds of people. And he just talks about how, because we kind of mold ourselves and look to just fit with the same, I like that he said, like shape, sizes, and colors of people, of our parents. I think when our parents see us start to change our own colors or sizes and shapes, they're seeing it as a rejection of their own size and color and shape. And so I think that judgment is, does this make it okay the way that a parent responds? No, but I think like why that judgment happens is because I'm trying to defend my own size, color, and shape. Mm. And like, how dare you step away from this? Versus if there's more of an ongoing conversation. Another thing I read the other day was how we should be giving our children meaningful conversations instead of giving our children conclusions. So back to this like quote, if I'm like, I'm red, orange, blue, and I'm this, like as a parent, yeah, let's say I'm red and I'm orange and I'm a circle. Instead of saying like, what do you think the color red is? Or like, have you seen the color red? So they were relating it to the gospel. Like instead of being like, we have to get sealed as a family in order to be together forever. Asking questions of like, when you hear that people can be together forever, how does that make you feel? What do you think about that? What questions were like, people talk about how, we make promises to God. Like, how does that make you feel? Because like, I think we just don't allow our kids to say like, actually, like that kind of freaks me out or that gives me a lot of question or Mm -hmm. it makes me very anxious. I think we just give them our own conclusions instead of having this ongoing conversation. So that was kind of like a long answer in response to what you were saying. But I just think parents view kids making different decisions as a form of rejection. Mm -hmm. And we can prevent that by having ongoing conversations and letting kids come to their own conclusions Yeah. instead of giving them ours. And obviously we're grown up now, right? Like we're not having those conversations with our parents. But when I think about how I want to parent my kids, it's more like, hey, like, why do you guys think about that? Or what do you know about it? What have you heard about it? Mm -hmm. And giving them the safety and support to explore what their own size and shape and color is instead Mm -hmm. of just thinking that they need to be a stamp of who I am. Yeah. I love that because even though I have decided to step away from the church, I still think a lot about how I want to talk about religion and belief systems to my future children and what, yeah, how do I want to do that? I feel like something that's really appealing about the church and the way that it is set up, or at least it was set up, is that you just kind of send your kids to Sunday school and like it's taken care of and there's a manual and you just read from the manual. And it's so easy like to do that. And it's harder, I think, to like have conversations about stuff like this. And it takes a lot of time. I can see how I'm preparing myself as a future mother, like how humbling of an experience it could be because I'm, I'm a Capricorn. (laughs) I'm very much a, like, I like my rules. I think I'm right. I already know this about myself. Like I, I see myself 
being like one of those moms that's like, I know best because I like love them so much and I want them to make the right decision. But I know that's probably not the best approach to go into having these conversations, but especially about stuff like beliefs and religion and stuff. It's, it's a lot, you know, I want to have meaningful conversations, but I like, don't even know where to start sometimes. One thing I would say, and I touched on this, that I've been doing so much learning about, and I'm wanting to create an episode on my podcast specifically about this, but I think the first step would be to exploring what your own values are, because Mm -hmm. I think religion and politics and manuals and like all of these things give structure to ultimately values, which are like the guiding perspectives that we want to base our decisions and our risks and our investments on in life. So one thing that I've been exploring recently with my mentors is that I want to more fully live the value of trust. Mm. I'm not someone who, like I trust other people, but I have a really hard time trusting myself. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes think that I trust other people and I'm like, oh yeah, So for example, at work, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally trust this person to get this thing done. Meanwhile, I say that I trust them and I'm having all this anxiety and worry that they're actually going to like totally screw up. Yeah. And so I think also in my personal life, like even with a podcast, for example, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm awesome. But then I'm like, I don't trust that people are actually going to listen. Yeah. Or like, I don't trust. So my mentors really challenged me. So once a month, I have a call with these three amazing female mentors that I have. And they chat with me through things. And so they're like, okay, Ella, so like, what would it look like to have trust in your life at work and with yourself and with your team in these different areas? So I think going through, and I want to figure out how to articulate this into this episode, but like, what are the types of feelings and experiences that you want to have? And what are the values that will shape that? And let's say one of your values is humor, or one of your values is like, curiosity or courage or like risk-taking. Let's say your value is courage with your kids. You can say like, hey, like I want to raise you to have courage. Here's what it's looked like in my life. What does this look like for you? And then when they do something, oh my gosh, like your kid's name is Josh. Like, oh my gosh, like Josh, like that's courage. Mm-hmm. You have courage. I So I think like identifying your own values and then helping point out when your kids are living their values and that way, whether they decide to live according to your same belief systems or practices, you're able to say, like, I haven't ever lived courage in the way that you're living it right now. Mm-hmm. Like I think about my sibling foster. I've never had to be courageous in the way that they have, but they're courageous. Mm-hmm. And just because they've done it differently than me, they've done their lives differently than me, doesn't mean that we both don't value courage. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I think yeah, it does. values I, are that foundation and the behaviors of a value can look in so many different ways. Like that's why we have political parties who are protecting the same things, but from very different perspectives. Mm-hmm. If I value freedom and I'm all for people being able to have guns, it's because I think everyone's free to have guns. Mm-hmm. But I also might value freedom in saying that no one should have guns because everyone should be able to be safe. And to mm-hmm. me, freedom looks like safety. Mm-hmm. To others, freedom looks like access to guns. Mm-hmm. So I think just like defining your values and allowing your kids to act in yeah. their own ways will help them to have some structure, 
mm-hmm. but not feeling that once again, they need to do things your way. Yeah. And I think the follow-up in my brain to an additional layer to that is using stories of other mm-hmm. people, but specifically using diverse stories. And even better if you can give them stories that are different from your stories, because that's how I've learned what my values are, is because I have taken like the last however many years of my life to like listen to the stories of people who aren't like me. Such a good point. Like and having like, your values be challenged almost. Yeah. And that's really, are. that's really how I've gotten to be where I am today. Because I, like I touched on this in one of my previous episodes of just growing up kind of isolated and a little bit naive. And so the reason why I was so excited to hear about other people was because I literally was just so curious. And as they were telling me the stories of their lives, the actual real lived experiences that they were living conflicted with what I thought my values were. And as I started learning more about people's stories who were different from myself, it started to help me also make sense of what my role in the world is and what my privileges are and like what my beliefs are. And the reality of of it is that we all have very similar core values, but we all have different stories. I think this is kind of where Jesus could come in. I think a lot of people, at least in my DMs, are asking me, well, what do you believe about Jesus? And for a long time, I didn't know how to answer that question because I didn't even know what I believe about Jesus. But I think I'm looking at Jesus and the Bible as a story, an example of how this value is played out or represented through a story. I agree with a lot of the things that Jesus did. And so if my children were to be like, I want to read the Bible, I want to learn about Jesus, I'd be like, cool, he's a great person to learn about. And like, what is his story? Let's learn about his story. But also diversifying which stories they are hearing about and which people that they are hearing stories from, I think is key because Jesus is a man that lived in Jerusalem like thousands of years ago. But what about the the Black single mom that is living in Chicago? Or what about the Native Americans that are living on the reservation? Or what about the Mexican immigrant that came to California and is your neighbor? What are their stories? And what can we learn from them about their values. I really like actually how you phrase it. You know, I was like, oh, like help them see that there can be a lot of different ways to like exhibit a value. And so I think like that's spot on is like storytelling is how you can help them see, Mm -hmm. hey, there's lots of different ways to live courageously or Mm -hmm. live with respect. And I think that's what's once again, awesome about podcasts. And I just think like the abundance of information and now storytelling we have with social media is because Mm -hmm. like, Growing up, we only heard about stories of people who happened in like the 1800s. Like we all knew, honestly, if someone were to ask me like, okay, like from like a person of color, what's the story of courage? I'd be like Martin Luther King or Harriet Tubman. And now there's like dozens of other names that I can add to that list because honestly, it's not through my formal education. It's through social media. Yeah. 
and being able to hear and listen to and like see all these aspects of other people's lives. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we can use like social media as a tool for storytelling Mm -hmm. and to help people see all the different ways that they can have those conversations. But I do think what is really challenging to confront is like our current relationships with siblings and parents, Mm -hmm. which I know like we've talked about before, like you and I, is just like, I guess the question I think a lot of people ask is like, is it really worth it to have conversations about my beliefs with my family if they disagree with me? Yeah. And knowing that like, they're just going to set themselves up for rejection. And I think going back to values, I think maybe like something I was thinking about is like, if you, because putting myself, like my parents are all like pretty active in the religion that I'm in. I don't know all the details of their lives, but like, there's no big differences to my knowledge. And so putting myself in your shoes of knowing that maybe you want to talk about like learning experiences you're having or things that you're doing, but you know, that they won't be accepted because they're different from what you were raised on. I think we could use this discussion of values as a way to have those current conversations. It's like, Hey mom, like something you always taught me was about listening to others. Or like, I know when we were raised, the whole theme was like service and like, what can you do for someone else? And that all goes back to the value of charity or, Mm -hmm. you know, people call like being Christ-like. And I just wanted to tell you something that I've really learned about charity lately and how much I value it. And something that I've learned is had the importance of having charity for myself. Mm -hmm. And here's this experience that I had recently. And I really just wanted to share it with you because you've taught me so much about charity. And I wanted to tell you what that looks like in my life right now. And that even though it's different than what it used to be, I still have that core value. And I'm so grateful that you helped me see what that looked like when you were raising me so that I could now identify it in my own life, in my own ways. And that gives me a lot of confidence. And like, obviously I just like fluffed my way through that. But I think as a parent, even if your kid is like, Hey, charity for me looked like doing something for myself, or it looked like actually not going to church, or it looked like going to a different church, or it looked like practicing spirituality in a different way. I think as a parent though, once again, at the end of the day, like you just want to know that you gave your kids something of value. And so maybe not saying, hey, I'm the same shape, size, and color as you, but hey, you taught me this value. And now I'm able to know what my own shape, size, and color is. And thank you so much. That could be a very validating way to share something potentially very radical for them or very different for them to hear about, but that's validating their values and the shared common values that you have. I like that. Do you have any tips or suggestions about timing for these conversations? Because I feel like timing is a big deal and I know it maybe looks different for everybody, but do you have any tips or thoughts on that? So when you say timing for the conversation, is this like as to like when to bring up that you have religious differences? Yeah. I guess I'm going to ask you a question first. Yeah. What were some of the signals to you that like it was maybe the word necessary is too harsh? Because obviously, once again, like you're not obligated to tell people things. Mm -hmm. But maybe what were some of the signals that you had that you were like, I should share something with my family? 
you know, I think I'm still even navigating that because I was so afraid to even have the conversation. And I'm probably a petty, petty princess in the words of the bad broadcast. And to me, I'm like, well, I'll just go home and I'll be wearing a tank top and they'll know that I'm not wearing my garments. Um, Like (laughs) little things like that. Like, yeah force them to ask me if if they're going to judge me. And I know this is just a defense mechanism because I'm already feeling so tender and scared and like going through the whole process really just strips you down raw. And it's just like, I literally don't have the emotional capacity to receive any sort of rejection in this moment. So honestly, I'm probably better off just avoiding the conversation at all and if they feel uncomfortable then they can talk to me about it and I've noticed how maybe that probably isn't the best way to go about it because I've seen just like you said like people that I love and care about are going through their own grief process of me changing my values or just discovering or refining my values and it's not really I don't know. It's not really their job either to start the conversation. So I don't know. And I'm still navigating that even today. Part of it is starting this podcast where I'm like, well, well, cool. I'll just start a podcast. Now I don't have to have these conversations with people in person, which is such a link to get out of it. But like, I don't know, not everybody wants to start a podcast and talk about all their deep, dark secrets on the internet, but But they um, should. (laughs) they can if they want to but also I probably could have done a better job at having those conversations because I kind of just avoided them and And I think maybe it was selfish of me to like put that responsibility on them but I don't know well I think one thing don't make it your responsibility to like comfort them I think is the first thing that's coming to my mind because I know at the beginning I started out with like well they're having their own grief cycle I guess I just want to clarify for you and maybe other like listeners, just because your parents or family members or community or leaders or mentors are grieving different life choices that you've made, just because your actions maybe were the source of grief for them, doesn't mean that you carry responsibility to comfort them. Yeah. And to maybe prevent that grief from continuing because they own their emotions Mm -hmm. and maybe your choices impacted them but like you can't go be the cleanup crew and be like, oh no, I need to. So like, I think it's good thinking about like, okay, what's the right timing for them? I think the short answer is obvious. There's no perfect timing. And I think when you accept responsibility that you can't control their emotions and you aren't responsible to take care of your parents and comfort them after you share this information to the extent that maybe it's really draining and heavy for you, I think it helps you see that like the best time to have a conversation really whenever from my perspective, you feel that maybe not sharing something would prevent you from being connected with them. I think kind of to what I was also saying about my podcast is like, you could start the conversation, maybe not know how it's going to end. And I think you should say that, Hey, I want to start a conversation with you around some questions that I've been asking around some things I've been thinking about, I don't have a goal of how I want this conversation to end. Mm, And I actually would really like if it's an ongoing conversation. And also I want to give both of us permission to 
change our minds as we have the conversation and not feel the need that we need to say everything perfectly. Cause I think that's a huge pressure we put on ourselves is like, I have to say the perfect thing. So I think starting with like a disclaimer and like letting your, I will just keep saying like parents know like, Hey, like I don't have a goal for how I want this conversation to end unless you do. Mm -hmm. Hey, at the end of this conversation, I really hope that you can stop asking me why I'm not wearing my garments. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you how I've been feeling, but maybe it's just more of like an update, like start the conversation. But I would also say, ask them, Hey, I want to have a conversation with you about some questions I've been having around the temple or around things in the church. I know this is a sensitive topic and it's something I actually really want you to talk about with me. I don't have a goal for how I want the conversation to end. I'd rather just kind of start the conversation and tell you what's on my mind so that you can support me. When's a good time to talk? Mm. And I I think just like signaling to them of like, hey, there's a conversation that's coming. But also this is, I mean, obviously easy for me to say, but that's something I try and practice with any big conversation. And even my mom did it with me the other day. She's like, Hey, I need to talk to you about something that's like kind of disappointing and frustrating for me right now. Like, do you have time to FaceTime today? Or like, when's a good time? Because Mm -hmm. I need to talk to you this week. Yeah. But you let me know when a good time is for you. And I was like, Oh, all right. Yeah. Wants to talk. Maybe reassure them like nothing's wrong. And I'm really excited or I'm nervous, but I'm also really excited to talk to you. Like, let's know the world's not ending. Yeah. I like that. I like what you said about during the conversation, letting them know, like, I don't have a goal for how this is going. I just want to start the conversation because I think in my experience, a lot of times when I start having the conversation, honestly, maybe it's that I do have a goal and maybe I should even myself go into the conversation with no goals. Maybe Mm, just like, I just know that I need to have this conversation. It's unfair for me to assume how this person is going to respond. Yeah, And I think so often I play in my head like, okay, so I'm going to tell this person that's really important in my life. And they're going to say this because I know them and I know this is what they're going to think about me, you know, but that's not fair for, for them either. And also it causes a lot of stress and it honestly is like a projection. And if that's how you're planning the conversation to go out, maybe you're leading them to that conclusion like without even intending to, because you already in your mind have figured out how it's going to end. That's you know? a good point. But if you were to just be like, hey, I literally have no goal or expectation for this conversation, but I just want you to know that like, I've decided to take a step back from the church and like whatever that looks like or whatever conversation you're trying to have. I think that's something that I could do better is not having played out the scenario in my head and just kind of letting that person show up for themselves because maybe you'll be surprised and maybe you'll be really stressed out about how somebody is going to respond and really they're going to have so much love and support for you. Or in my case, as I've been sharing the podcast, so many people from so many different places in my life have reached out through messaging me just being like, Hey, I know we haven't talked in 10 years, but like, thanks for having this conversation because like feel very similarly. And like, I don't know how to talk about it. And I don't know how to talk to people about this, but I appreciate you 
talking about it, you know? So you never know what just sharing your experiences and your stories to people, how it's going to impact people. So it's, it's kind of unfair to like make that assumption before going into any of these big conversations. I think that's a super good perspective. And I also think obviously these conversations are best to have happen in person, but something I've learned with hard conversations is like prepping someone with a text gives them time to process. And that way to your point of like, how can I set my parent family member, partner, sibling up for success is giving them time to process because it's really hard to go into a conversation. All of a sudden ambushed has like a negative connotation, but like, I think about our friendship, Mm -hmm. like you and I just had a pretty consistent dialogue. You're like, oh, I was really frustrated about this, like lesson in relief society. Or like, Mm -hmm. I just had a really disappointing day. And I had a conversation with a priesthood leader and it was all right, but like, I'm kind of feeling down. So when you were like, Hey, stepping away from the church, I think because I had seen your whole path, it wasn't all of a sudden this like random drop off. I was like, oh, she's on like a great trajectory. Yeah. She's learning a lot. She's making great discoveries. She's doing so many good things in her life. And the church has just been one aspect of it. There's like so much to you in your life and like the value that you create and things that you do. And so I think also maybe giving our parents the benefit of the doubt and that like they want to support our growth and that we don't need to hide everything from them that's easier said than done but I just think about yeah like our friendship I think that's why we have so much trust and appreciation is because it's like this ongoing conversation about things we're learning and things that are frustrating us once again like fully acknowledging that there's probably people listening to this who have like really toxic or like really really stressful relationships with your parents Mm -hmm. And I think if that is the case, then maybe consider telling siblings or telling like other people first Mm -hmm. and asking them to be points of support. Or maybe it's like you're talking to your aunt. It's like, hey, I'm going to tell my mom. Can you help me reassure her? Yeah. I think that's an important thing is Mm -hmm. saying who are the people that your parent turns to for comfort. Mm-hmm. and can they be like a point of support for you and you yeah. might not even have that and so I'm so yeah. sorry if you're in that position where you feel like you don't have people that can like rally for you but I think once again like that's why it's so cool that you're starting this podcast to create a space for people who are going through that transition like I know that you've called it like a faith crisis which is absolutely true but I also think sometimes for me, I'm like, oh, it's just like this transition. Like you still have faith and you're obviously doing phenomenal things. I think for me, I'm just like, oh, it's like, I think people sometimes describe this as once again, like we talked about in the beginning, like they've committed this crime of like, yeah. I, I had a faith crisis. Like you didn't rob a store. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't like kill someone, but also it very much was a crisis to you because you're mm-hmm. totally restructuring your identity. But I think the more you share these stories with people, the more they see it as just a transition to a different trajectory. Mm-hmm. Hopefully people can have nothing but respect and appreciation for that. Yeah. Oh, Ella, I love you. I appreciate your advice. You've always been somebody that like anytime I need advice on something like this, you give just the most wise words. So I appreciate you. I'm so glad we got to talk and I feel like I rambled in a lot of aspects, but I hope that people who listen to this 
feel a little more inspired or comforted to continue having these conversations with their family members? I think so. And I think that, yeah, just your insights, because you've obviously had these conversations with a few different people and in different ways, like every individual is so unique. And the reasons why they choose to do what they do are so unique and individual to them and 100% valid. (laughs) So each of these conversations that people are going to have are going to look so different. But I appreciate your insights on how to like view the structure of the conversation because that really matters a lot. And just changing, at least for me, sometimes just changing little perspectives like that I show up differently in the conversations just by shifting my perspective or even just how I start the conversation. Just like you said, how I start the conversation can completely shift the outcome of it. I think that that's something that we as a society should just cultivate more of because there's so much hatred and nastiness (laughs) happening with with communication. And I think really at the core of it, we all have very similar values and we just need to figure out better ways to talk about it. So I appreciate you and I'm so excited for your podcast. I'm going to have you as a guest on my podcast. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. But for people listening on my side, where can they find you? Well, my podcast is a real witty name. It's called Start the Conversation, but that's truly what it's all about is like conversation starters on a variety of topics. So you can search it wherever you listen to podcasts, Start the Conversations. I have a big yellow logo. And then on Instagram, it's startthecombo.podcast. And when her cards be out. My cards. So my cards are printing next week. Comment on my cards. So my cards, these conversation starters are specifically for leaders having one-on-one conversations with employees, but I am coming out with a second card deck of more like put on your coffee table. So I was like, you could put my cards on your coffee table, but they're like development questions. So maybe not things you would ask a friend over coffee. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) But But knowing me as my Capricorn self, I would have someone over to my, to my house and be like, hi, can we talk about your career development? Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) Yeah. And you would just like ask someone, yeah, these like deep questions of like, what do you need to succeed in your life? And they're like, um, But I want to come up with multiple conversation decks and maybe even do like further research. I'm going to share one last thing really quick. The other day I was studying facilitation techniques as something related to work. And something about the human brain is that when we're given instructions, we grab onto like the first three words of a sentence. And so when you're telling something to someone that you would like them to do, or you're starting a conversation the first three words are some of the most important words you could say. Mm. So think about that as you're going into conversations or as you're making requests, if you're like, Hey, so I'd really like if you could sit down and talk with me, that's a fine way to start a conversation. Or the classic, Hey, can we talk? Can we talk? It's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But when you're giving directions and you're making a request from someone, they're going to listen to the first three words you say the most. And that tells them like what you need from them. Mm-hmm. And so firstly, I had the idea of like, okay, if you're starting a hard conversation, start with the first three words. I love you. 
Mm. or I appreciate you. Like make the first three words of any hard conversation, something that will bring connection. Yeah. Or like, I really admire you. And then if you're asked, if you do have a goal for them, just say like, can you listen? Mm -hmm. Or can you see my perspective during this conversation? I just thought that was interesting of like really be intentional about like the first three words or it was like three to like seven words that you say in a conversation because that's what people are going to grab onto. Yeah. But yeah, I can't wait to have you on the podcast. We can talk about more things. I do have an episode coming out where we're really diving into more of these faith conversations instead of faith conclusions Mm. and how to have those with your family. I also have a fun episode coming up about boundaries. I have another episode coming up about, it's called education and how to educate people on what it's like to be LGBTQ plus and coming out and it's almost pride month. And so I'm excited to share some of those stories, but thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm going to stop talking. It's like 10 no, PM. Please time. Keep talking. I need to go to bed. You need to just like <laughs> stop recording so that people don't have to keep listening. <laughs> no, I um, love listening to you talk and thank you for joining us today. I love you so, so much. Um, I love you too. I'm sending you the biggest hug. I just wish I could come eat Cafe Rio with you. I wish you could too, but you you will soon. You're going to come to the beach soon. You just went to the yes. beach, but you'll come to the beach again. And I'll see you soon. Love you. Okay. Love you too. Bye. Bye.